So we have, um, as people know by now, we're in Southeast Asia. I must say that after going through the baking dry heat of Central Asia, I'm now in the baking humid heat of Southeast Asia. So um, it's different, but the same. Uh, I do feel like I've spent so much time in Central Asia that maybe I should be made an honorary citizen of some of those countries. But I enjoyed it, and even though I'm not supposed to promote any country, I think that candidates should spend some time in Central Asia. It's quite a remarkable part of the world. And if you are interested in you know sectors like resources and energy and mining, uh, it's certainly an area that's growing rapidly uh, with a lot of that work taking place. But let's get back to today's podcast. Today's podcast is just some general advice on how you can improve the way you communicate to interviewers during cases. And I've given many tips before, so today I'm going to introduce a new kind of tip, and I think it's the one that works best for um, for candidates. In fact, it's a technique that works very well for me. Um, you know, when I was a partner, I was a very young partner, and I was actually, whenever I used to go into meetings with um, other senior partners and even other partners, most clients and the younger people in the team would be looking at the older people and um, and wondering what my role was. Right? And it was always especially funny when uh, they'd be looking at the older person and I would then stand up to lead the discussion or lead the conversation or, or I would lead the conversation. They were, they'd be a little bit confused. You know, uh, is the older guy there to see if I make a mistake? Should they be making eye contact with the older guy? Should they be making eye contact with me? And so in my case, it was obviously very difficult, you know, because I was very young when I made partner. I was one of the youngest case managers ever. I mean, I was a case manager in my early 20s, right? I joined management consulting when I was 21 years old. Um, so I, when I got promoted up to, you know, associate level, I think within two years, three years. Um, so by the age of 21, by the age of about 24, 23, 24, I was already the, at the MBA level. By the time I get to, I got to 26, 27, I was at, not 26, 27, by the time I got to one year later, I got promoted up to the engagement manager level. By the time I was like 25, I was engagement manager. By the time I was 26 and a half, I was already associate principal. And then very soon thereafter, I became a principal. And then I became, and just before I was about to be made a full partner, I left the firm. So obviously, you know, um, I was really, really young when I made it to the top. I wasn't the youngest person to make it to the top by any measure. You know, I was an associate principal when some people in the firm were being made principal and partner. The youngest person to ever be, to ever have made partner was at the age of 27. You will know this person. His name is Philip Purcell. He went to the Booth School of Business. He went on to work at McKinsey. He went on to run the Sears account. He went on to become CEO of Dean Witter. And he eventually became CEO of Morgan Stanley, where he ran the company into the ground. Also, so they say, if you read the book Blue Blood and Tears, the history or mutiny of Morgan Stanley, they paint him as the villain, but I think he did a pretty good job. But anyway, um, let's come back to techniques, right? So, because I was very young when I was put into these senior positions, um, I had to develop a style that showed confidence. I had no choice. So, one of the techniques I used to use, and I still use it to this day, is when I'm talking to someone, I imagine they are an audience. I don't just imagine that they are someone I'm talking to. I imagine that I'm in a theater, and I'm an actor, and they are sitting down, and I've not, and I've got to get them to understand what I'm saying, and it's my duty to do that. I've got to lower my voice like in a movie. I've got to raise my voice. I've got to pause at certain points. I've got to speak louder at certain points. I've got to use facial expressions. And if you've ever seen me actually in person present, I'm quite a funny guy, right? You know, uh, I remember I was doing a presentation yesterday for the uh, chief financial officer of a large 
I wouldn't say large, maybe I'd say for Singaporean standards, a medium-sized private uh, bank. And I was explaining to him, you know, how he needs to engage people. And I was doing all this body language in terms of the way he works and so on, which he found very funny. I don't think he's ever seen a consulting partner do these things because I think most consulting partners will sit there, cross their hands, and look very distinguished and professorial. But yeah, I am jumping around and showing him how to do things. Hopefully, I look distinguished as well. But I do believe that um, they're an audience, and my job is to get them to understand things by maintaining my integrity. I mean, the other thing I do a lot of is close up people's spaces. If I want people to pay attention to me, I will close their space. So if I want to um, talk to someone and um, I'm not sure they're paying attention, I will lean forward and close their space. If I'm standing up and presenting, which I do a lot of, I will walk up right to the person not paying attention and talk to them directly so they just force to pay attention. So the tip I'm going here is quite obvious. You know, you've got to treat your the presenters if they're an audience. I mean, don't try to close their space in an aggressive way, but you can lean forward and use body language, hands, movements, um, and also pitch and tone to to change the way you speak. I think that is very important. So, a simple advice, but it works very well. As always, I'll be happy to respond to comments and queries and criticism. <laughs>